has great things for us. Luke chapter number 15, if you have a Bible and you would turn there with me. I'll be honest with you, as a preacher, we, uh, we have insecurities just like everybody else. And we want to make sure that whatever we feel impressed on to deliver and preach, that it's from God. And sometimes we need this thing called confirmation. That's just kind of, it helps us out. A few weeks ago, I was preaching in a service, and I was singing along with the worship song, and one of the lyrics on the worship song said this, I am not alone. Well, in that moment, you know, I was thinking about, Lord, is this the right message that I'm going to preach today? And they sang that lyric, and sometimes I'm a little slow, and it took me a moment, and I realized, wait a second, the title of my message is, I am not alone. Well, that's not ironic. That's how this is planned. So obviously, that's confirmation that this is what God wants to do in this service. So last week, I was sitting in this room listening to Pastor preach. And Pastor preached from a passage, and he made certain points. And the Lord, several weeks ago, would give me something to preach right here, right now. And he preached from the same passage. He had many of the same points. And so I thought, you know what? That's confirmation. So maybe this is part two. Maybe this goes a different direction. Who knows? But I just believe this word is for our church right now. In Jesus' name. Luke chapter 15, the very last verse is what we'll read. We'll read several verses in this chapter. This will be where we stay, so stay there. But we'll read one verse, the very last verse in Luke chapter 15, verse number 32. It was meet that we should make merry. This is the father talking to one of his sons in the prodigal son parable. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again. And he was lost and is found. So I'm going to take my title not from that verse, but from some words that are in Luke chapter 15. And for the next few minutes, I'm going to preach to you on the subject of friends, neighbors, and servants. Friends, neighbors, and servants. If you have your Bible, would you set it down? Would you ask the Lord to help anoint His Word to, to reach the ears and the hearts of everyone here and everyone watching? Lord, right now in this place, we believe you, God. You're able to touch and heal. You're able to speak words for now and into the future. I pray, God, as you have confirmed this word, Lord, let it settle into our minds and into our hearts. Let it change things about us and direct us and lead us. Lord, you are the great way maker. You are the great shepherd. You are searching and reaching even today. We believe you for it, and we believe you for great things in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. And as you're seated, say, it's going to be a great day today. I believe there is great power in the book that I'm holding right now. I'll say that again. I believe there is great power in the Word of God. It has the ability to speak, at least in principle, to every single area of your life. Stories that you read in your Bible... They have great depth and great meaning. They have, they have deep 
profound points, but they also have very simple, straightforward meanings. There's great theology found in this book. Great theology, deep understanding, deep wells to be dug out from the pages of Scripture. But also, there's simple lessons to learn. I was amazed this week because I spent the whole week at kids camp and how you can take a very deep and profound and complex story and deliver it in a way that a six-year-old can understand it. And while on one hand it can speak to the 50-year-old, it has the same ability to speak into a five-year-old. Characters inside your Bible have rich symbolism. Actions and decisions inside the pages of Scripture have parallels to the past, to the current and future past. There are clear, direct, concise words in this book. There's also parables and allegories, things that you and I have to study out and dig out for ourselves to greater understand them. They don't come upon first reading. How many of you have ever opened the King James Bible, read a statement or a passage, and thought, what did that just say? There's commands that will improve your life. There's commands that will help you to please God. Inside of this book that I hold up before you right now are principles for success in every area of your life. Marriage is found in this book. Raising children is found in this book. Surviving your teenage years is found in this book. Operating in your finances successfully is found in this book. How to run a business is found in this book. How to treat one another is found in this book. Perspectives are found here. Prayers that we can recite are found in this book. Doctrine that can lead to eternal life are found in this book. This book, the one I hold and the one you have either here or at your home, is a powerful, life-changing tool that we all need in a greater capacity. Over the last several years, this book that I hold in front of you has been under great attack in North America and around the world. I'll give you one example to share with you. There's a thing in the Middle East called the Abraham Accords. They are a joint statement between Israel and the United Arab Emirates and the United States. It was reached, this accord was reached on August the 13th, 2020. That is the first time in over 20 years that an agreement has been reached in the Arab nations. The accords are named after Abraham to emphasize the shared origin of belief between Judaism and Islam, both of which are Abrahamic religions that are strictly espoused to monotheistic worship of God. Now, there is at this moment a deliberate agenda to change the name of the Abraham Accords. The reason being is the pushback is that many believe the name Abraham is just a fictitious character. And you cannot name a real treaty after a character or a person that never 
existed. Can I tell you today, right now, the Word of God may be under attack because this is the goal, this is the plan, this is the strategy of the enemy. If he can make you doubt that one part of this book is real, if he can tear down one part of this book in your mind or in your heart, he can start to erode away and corrode away other parts of this book that are true and real. But I rise to tell you on this morning, this book leads to eternal life. This book has the answers that we need. This book has life and purpose and direction. And we declare its truths. How many of you are thankful for the word of God? How many of you believe what this book says? How many of you stand fast on even the small and, and, and the, the principles that seem easy, but yet on the deep, profound things? There is life found in His Word. I believe it today, don't you? I believe what's in this book. This is what Hebrews said, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit and the joints of marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. This book says this in Isaiah 48, The grass withereth and the flower fadeth, but the Word of God shall stand forever. Psalm 119, Forever, O Lord, Thy word is settled in heaven. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. So faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. The law of the Lord is perfect. Psalm 19 and 7, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. There is no other book like this one. Can you put that image up on the screen, Lane? There's an image I want to show you. A few years ago, a Lutheran pastor, Christopher Romhild, emailed a professor at Carnegie Mellon University for help on coming up with a visual, a presentation that would show the cross-references of the Bible. So they got together and worked and produced the multicolored image that you see on the screen behind me. See, they, they took all of the references from one part of the Bible that connect to the other part of the Bible. And in the middle line, in the middle is, on the left side is the Old Testament. On the right side is the New Testament. And you can see the connection from the start of the very beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible. And all of the times, it overlaps. I don't know about you, but I look at that book and I think this thing is divinely ordered by God. It's not a coincidence. It's not an accident. It doesn't have insignificant meaning. But there is power in this book. Come on, this word can speak to you today. This word can resonate with you today. The word of God and its truths powerful and whatever it says to me and where I'm at I need it I need it I need it today so I laid the groundwork what I believe 
for how the Lord wants to talk today out of this book. I read to you one passage to begin this sermon today from Luke chapter number 15. It's a passage that pastor preached from yesterday, but also one I feel like holds significant truths we could explore for a long time. On the surface, when you read Luke chapter 15, it's three stories, three tales or parables. It's the story of the lost sheep, the story of the lost coin, and the story of the prodigal son. You've probably heard those terms, even heard those passages preached from in your Bible. But in these stories, there is significant parallel, both in the big scheme and towards an individual's life. There is deep truths connected and tied into these stories that I will read for you this morning. Luke 15, 3, verse 7. And he spake this parable unto them, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you, likewise, joy shall be in heaven for one sinner that repenteth more than over the ninety-nine just persons which need no repentance. See, what I believe in this story right here that I just read to you from these few verses is that there are those, maybe in your life, maybe in this room, that have wandered away from the shepherd. And for whatever reason it was, whether it's the shepherd's fault, or whether it's, it's the sheep's fault, the sheep has strayed away from where he is supposed to be. But can I tell you, in this room, there is a shepherd who is reaching for his sheep today. And I don't know if you're the prodigal or if you're praying for one, but the shepherd is reaching for sheep today. Come on, I feel it in the room. I feel it over this church. I believe it's a word for this church. There are going to be prodigals that come back home because the shepherd is reaching for his sheep right now. He's coming. He's reaching. He's working. And when he finds you, somebody needs to hear this today. When he finds you, that passage of scripture says this. He picked up the sheep and he laid it on his shoulders. You know what the Bible also says about the shoulders of God? And the government, Isaiah chapter 9, shall rest upon his shoulders. The rule, the dominion, those things shall rest upon his shoulders. That's not the only thing he has the power for. He has the power to pick up your life. And if you're watching this, listen to me. No matter how complicated, no matter how many problems are wrong, he has the power and the dominion to pick up your life and hold it on his shoulders. He is big enough. He is great enough. He is able enough to pick up where you are. He cares about you. He cares about you right now. Then there's the parable of the lost coin. Verse number 8 says this, Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she loses one piece, doth not light a candle, sweep the house, and search diligently till she find it. And when she finds it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, 
For I have found the peace that I have lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in heaven in the presence of angels of God over one sinner that repents. Maybe that was you. You were the sheep that had wandered away from God. Or maybe there's coins in this room right now. See, the, the amazing part about the story of the lost coin is the coin was lost in the house. So it's entirely possible that someone can come week after week, service after service, sermon after sermon, worship set after worship set, and yet still be lost. Come on, and I don't know why. Maybe, maybe it was that the coin fell off the shelf. Maybe it was that it got bumped. Maybe something happened, it was sudden or traumatic. But nevertheless, the coin was still in the house, but yet it was still not found. So the wife, so the lady, so the keeper of the house, what she does is she comes in and sweeps the house to find it. And here's what I believe right now. The Spirit of God is sweeping over this room. The Spirit of God is bringing light to illuminate the Word of God for where you are. And to show you there's some things that just aren't right inside of me and i got to get right right now. I've got to get found now, today. I can't wait. I can't push it back because the Spirit of God is sweeping across the room. He's reaching right now. Come on, you may have wandered away. God, the shepherd's looking for you. You may have been lost and you're sitting here right now. But God's Spirit begins to sweep over the house. Then there's the final parable, Luke 15, 11, verse number 11 all the way through 32. And I won't read the whole thing, but the interesting thing is most of you maybe have heard the parable of the prodigal son. But this is what the Bible says about that, and I want to change your perspective on it for a moment. And he said, a certain man had two sons. So let me change your perspective and thought on it. The story is not just about the one son, but it's about both of them. The prodigal son, but also the older brother. And if you look in Scripture, there are almost as many verses about the older brother as there is about the prodigal. So it's a story of one father and two sons playing where they are. And the younger of them said, verse 12, to his father, Father, give me the portion that falleth to me. And he divided his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took a journey to a far country and wasted his substance with riotous living. See, the, old, the younger brother, he is enamored with the idea that there is something better out there. And he wishes he could live a life where the father didn't exist. And if he could just get away from the house, then everything would be right. If he could just live on the blessings and the principle and the, the, what the Father has, but if he could do it away from the Father, that he would be all right. Then his life would be in the right standing. And he, verse 14, and he had spent all, and there arose a mighty famine in the land. There are those, maybe here, may be watching. There are those that although they used to serve God, now they're at a place 
where their decisions have separated them from God. But also, the Bible says a famine hit the land. So it's not entirely, the famine's not their fault, but life happens to them. And whether it is the place of their decision or just the circumstances that life has thrown at them, they have separated themselves away from where they are supposed to be. Can I tell you, and I'll stop right here to, to, to interject this point. I don't believe in this story the famine is an accident. I believe, and you, you correct me if I'm wrong later, but I believe God can use anything He will and wants in order to bring somebody back to Him. And if He has to bend the laws of nature, or if He has to shake some things up in your world, He is drawing people back to Him today. Come on, Mama, you need to hear me right now. He's putting things in place in their life to bring them back. You need to hear me right now. He's working on their job. He's working in their life to bring them back. He is always working. And then there's the older brother. The older brother didn't like that the younger brother got all the stuff when he returned home. The older brother didn't like the fact of all the things that he received as he came back. And he said, and he answered and said, Unto his father, he said, Thy brother, the father said, Thy brother has come. And thy father, the servant said this, excuse me, Thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he received him safe and sound. And verse 28, and he was angry and would not go in, therefore came his father out and entreated him. See, there was something inside the older brother that didn't like that the younger brother was home. There's something inside of him that said, I deserve what he is getting. So I'm not content to watch this play out. Church, I'm going to lay the groundwork for what I'm going to say later. We welcome people back to God. Come on, I don't know where you've been or what you've been, but this church, this house, is a place that welcomes people. Come back home. You hear me? Come back home. I don't care what you've done. We don't care what you've done. Come back home. The mercy of God says otherwise. Come back home. The mercy of God says it doesn't matter. Come back home. Oh, you don't know what I've done. No, the mercy of God says come back home. Come back here. See, I'm preaching to two people today. I'm preaching to one, whether you're the sheep or the coin, or the younger brother. We need to realize where we are today and let the shepherd carry our burdens back to the flock. Let the spirit do a sweeping work. Realize we've got it better in the Father's house. Come on, I'm preaching for somebody. You might be the sheep or the coin or the son and something might have pulled you away. But if there's ever a time to get back in the church, it's now. Come on, I know you just watched the bald-headed preacher hop up and down, but you got to hear me. Time is running out on us. We don't have much longer. It's time to come home. It's time to come home. It's time to come home. He's reaching today. The mercy of God is for you today. We need the shepherd and the spirit and the Father, right now, 
I read this story, and I've tried my best over the last few minutes to preach to the one person in this room. And I hope that something I said over the last few minutes, something the Spirit or the Word spoke, I hope that it, I hope that it spoke to you where you are. But I'm going to preach to the second type of person for the next few minutes. Because when I read this story, it's easy right now to focus on the coin, or the sheep, or the father, or the son. It's easy to focus on the characters, maybe even some of the events that happen in the story, and to preach on those things because they're familiar, and we know where they're at. But there are characters in this story that as I read this in my Bible a few months ago, just jumped out to me. And this morning, I want to take the next few minutes and preach on them. You see, when the, when the, the sheep was found, the Bible says that the man called his friends and his neighbors to come rejoice with him. And when the woman found the coin in the house, she left and called her friends and her neighbors to come rejoice with her. And then when the son came home, the father went to his servants and says, guess what, my boy's home, and I, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go get a ring and a robe and a calf, kill the fatted calf. We're going to throw a party because he's back. You have friends and neighbors and servants. That, ladies and gentlemen, is us. I have felt it so strong in my spirit over the last two weeks, I actually can't stop thinking about this passage. We are the friends, we are the neighbors, and we are the servants. Abraham had a relationship with God in James 2 and 23 and called him a friend of God. A neighbor is somebody that has adjoined himself to someone. And a servant, like it says in Matthew 25 and 21, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We are the friends, the neighbors, and the servants in the story. If you belong to God and you are committed to His ways and you are found faithful in Him, us today, we are the friends, neighbors, and servants. And you know what the first thing I notice about the friends, the neighbors, and the servants? Number one, they were close to Him. The friends, the neighbors, and the servants, they're the ones that stayed faithful to their roles. Faithful to the shepherd. Faithful to the keeper of the house. Faithful to the father. And I want to preach to somebody right now in 2021 with everything you're dealing with. Stay faithful. Come on, you're waiting for a deeper point. There's not one there. Stay faithful. Come on, you got to make up in your mind. I will not let anything disconnect me from where I'm supposed to be. I will not let anything pull me another direction from where I'm supposed to be in the house of God, serving God, worshiping God, praying every day, reading my Bible. I will stay faithful to my spiritual authority. I will stay faithful to the things of God. Have you ever showed up to church on a Sunday morning? And you just felt like something good was going to happen. Have you ever, ever done that? Have you ever showed up on a Sunday morning and you just felt like, man, today's a good day. I mean, I may have been having a bad day, but I got here and something's different here. Something doesn't feel the same here. 
It, I, 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 what, what's in here is something that I, that I need to be a part of. So I, I feel, I feel something in the house. And ladies and gentlemen, this morning, let me tell you, that's staying close. That's staying connected. That's plugging yourself in and saying, I'm going to stay faithful to the things of God. And nothing will pull me away. Here's what I read in, in Nehemiah chapter 6. Verse 2 through 4. Then that Sanballat and Gershom. See, Nehemiah is trying to rebuild the wall. He's trying to do something for God. He's trying to stay in the middle of what God is doing. He said, come, let us meet together, Sanballat. These are the bad guys. Come, let us meet together in some village of the plain of Ono. But Nehemiah recognized, hold on, hold on. I'm on this wall, I'm building this wall to restore back Israel, to do the work of God, what I've been called to do. I'm on this wall right now. And I recognize these people mean nothing but mischief to me. I wonder, I wonder today, can we get the spiritual sensitivity to recognize what is really a distraction? Come on, there's a lot of things pulling at everybody right now more than ever before to take you away from the things of God. But I came to preach to you to say, let's stay in the middle of what God is doing. Come on, let's stay in the middle of what God is doing. We don't have the time, nor I tell you, you don't have the energy to live your life on the fringe of what God is doing. But I hope you securely position your life in the middle of what God is doing in this time, in this hour, and in this church. Let's stay connected to Him. Come on, I want to preach to somebody that felt like giving up. Preach to somebody that felt like drifting away. Preach to somebody that feels like they can just go do their own thing. Stay in the middle. Stay connected. Keep yourself in the middle of what God is doing. Because when the friends and the neighbors and the servants, when that shepherd and that housekeeper and, 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 and the father, when they called, when, when, when they raised their voice and said, hey, I found it, I found it. Guess what? They were close enough to hear it. We've got to be close enough to hear what the Spirit is saying. In this hour, you are a friend and a neighbor and a servant. Don't let anything keep you from the place you're supposed to be. Now, when those people called... I found it, I found it, I found it. Here's the amazing thing that happened. The friends, the neighbors, and the servants were obedient to the request that came. See, it's one thing, I'm going to meddle a little bit. It's one thing to hear. It's another thing to do. Well, let that soak in for a second because I'm getting a little kickback. It's one thing to hear what the Spirit is saying. It's another thing to walk in the obedience of what the Spirit is saying. Let me, let me, let me show you a point that I believe in the Bible. But I'm going to rush through this point just because I, I believe this. Jesus, in Luke chapter 5, he told Peter. Peter had been fishing all night long. Luke chapter 5, verse number 4. Do you have it on the screen? Luke chapter 5 and verse number 4. It says this. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep. 
And let down your nets for a draught. Let down your nets again because you're going to catch some fish. Go to the next verse. And when Simon answering said unto him, Master, we fished all night. We've been here for hours. And then you're going to show up and say to do this? We fished all night. But look at the next four words on the screen. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down my net. You know what the Lord told me to say in this moment right here? We got to this point in the sermon. You know what the Lord told me to say? God is okay with your opinion as long as he still has your obedience. I'm going to repeat it. God is okay with your opinion. He's fine with it as long as your heart is still obedient to him. You may not under, understand, you may not even agree, but as long, as long as he still has your obedience, he's okay with that opinion being a little bit different. But hear me, he's looking for somebody today that will be obedient to his call. Hey, I found him, I found him. Why don't you, why don't you come and kill the fatted calf? Well, he doesn't deserve that. Why should I go do that? Because it's his house and not mine. Well, I don't know why I have to go get the ring. That's only for special things. I'm not anybody's servant. I'm the Father's servant. So what He says, I will go do. And I pray this morning, right now, there will be a church that responds to the call of God. Let's not miss what He's saying. Let's not go a different direction than what He's saying. Let's obey what the Spirit is saying the church right now he's okay your opinion he still just needs your obedience the last point that I'll tell you this morning is the point I actually felt the strongest about for us I'm a member of new life I love coming to this church I hope after I get done I don't kick to get kicked out but I love coming to this church and I felt like there was something God specifically told me at this point to say just several weeks ago. While the friends, the neighbors, and the servants, they were close and connected. They were obedient. But this was the third and final point. And I have prayed that what I'm about to say would be, not because it's me, but because I feel like it's from God. It would be a culture-changing thing about us. Because the friends... The neighbors and the servants were this. They were ready to rejoice. They were ready. They were ready. They had faith to believe one day that sheep is going to come back. One day that coin is going to show up. And one day that son's going to walk over that hill. They were ready to do and rejoice in what God was doing. There was something about them and something in them that said these are his sheep, these are his coins, this is the Father's house, and I'm ready to rejoice in what God is doing in his people. Come on, there's... We stand in direct opposition of sin. We do, absolutely. But listen, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
So there's not a single person in this room that doesn't have fault or error or struggle. All of us have it. So let me tell you something from me, and I know i got to do a better job of this. I rejoice in what God is doing and getting ready to do in your life. I refuse. I refuse to carry the mentality of the older brother that says, wait a second, look at what I deserve in this situation. Rather, I want the mentality of a servant that says if the father asked for it, that's still his son. If the father calls for it, that's still, they were lost. And now they are found. That's why the father looked at the older son and said, it is meat. It is right that we should be merry. It is the right thing to do that we should be glad and rejoice because they were dead and now they're alive because they were lost and now they're found come on mama i rejoice with you that they're coming back i'm ready for it i'm ready for it come on daddy i rejoice with you brother i rejoice with you that they're coming back i don't know when i don't know how but i rejoice with you because they're coming home because the lost can be found. Come on, lift your hands up in the sanctuary. Stand with me. Philippians 4 and 4. Rejoice in the Lord always and again i say rejoice new life we don't have a choice rejoicing is a part of our dna we don't get to choose the times we rejoice when oh it was that person's son well i didn't really like them i'm glad they're back no 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 rejoice always in everything and again i say Rejoice. They're coming back. They may come back today. They may come back next Sunday. They may come back in a year. But listen to me. I am ready to rejoice right now. Come on. I believe God is working. And I'm ready. I'm ready. I feel the Spirit of the Lord in the room. I, feel, I know he's spoken, he's ministered to people on many different levels because that's the power of the word. It speaks to everybody at all different levels. That's, that's the power of God's word. But I feel prayer rising up in the room. I feel a mindset change. No, 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 I'm not going to pick and choose when I rejoice, but I believe God, it's happening right now. Come on, he's moving a famine in place. He's drawing people out from where they are. He's searching right now for the lost coin. He's picking somebody up on their shoulders. He's working right now. Come on, I feel an undercurrent of prayer. I feel an undercurrent of prayer, and I think it'd be okay if you gave over to that for a moment. And here's also what I feel like would be okay, and I know this is different, so forgive me. If you feel prompted to walk across the aisle and pray for somebody, that's in the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, if you know somebody that they've got a loved one away from the Lord, 
If you knew somebody in this room that needs to come back right now, it's a great opportunity to see them come home. And I hope you're ready to rejoice like I am. Something's happening in the room. Come on, if you feel it, that's okay. Step out. We're all going to come to the front in a moment. But I think it'd be really good to step out. There's no condemnation. We just dealt with that. But if you're ready to rejoice and see God do something in somebody, He's working right now. Bow your heads. Lift, lift your hands up in the air. Come on, what a great time to step across the aisle right now. No condemnation, just rejoicing. No guilt or shame, just faith. Come on, God is able. He's doing it. Yeah, that's good. There's many people praying and believing. That's it. Link, hold hands with somebody. Link up with somebody. That's it. Believe right now. Ready to rejoice. Right now the altars are open. If you'd like to come pray for yourself or for somebody, this front is open, your chair is open. If you'd like to come back to God and you feel lost or disconnected, right now, His Spirit sweep in the room reaching for somebody. Come on, this is the altar call. This is the moment we believe. Come on, this is it. Lord, I believe you are reaching for sons and daughters. You are reaching for the lost and the broken and the confused. Come on, this is, this is the moment that God does something supernatural. Yeah, this is it. He's working. He's reaching. Come on, there's names on this platform you wrote down you ought to pray over. Come on, that's it. Let's believe right now. Don't give up on God. Because He won't give up on you. He's
what he said he will do. He's gonna fulfill every promise to you. Don't give up on God, cause he won't give up on you. He's able. Oh, God is able to do just what He said He will do. He's going to fulfill every promise to you. Don't give up on God, because He won't. Upon you, he's able. He's able. Oh, yes, he's able. Lord, able. I want those to keep praying, keep believing. But I want to do something. If you have a child, son or daughter that is away from the Lord, I wish you'd lift your hands up. If you're comfortable with somebody praying for it. If you have a child that's away from the Lord, look around you. Somebody's got their hand up beside you. Would you link up with them if they're comfortable with it? Would you link up beside them and believe with them? It's time to be a friend, a neighbor, or a servant. Come on, this is the moment to do that right now. Believe with somebody. Yeah, that's it. Cry out for them. That's it. Believe for them. Oh, there's great power in prayer joining together in this room.
praying, believing with one another. I'm going to say this in dismissal. No more condemnation. No more shame towards somebody. Only believe. Only faith. Only trust that there's coming a day that they're going to return back. Doesn't matter who you see. Doesn't matter what choices they make. Let's, as a church, be ready to rejoice. And anything that would stop us from rejoicing with one another and believing with one another, let's have it removed from our life and only believe from this point forward. Can you lift your hands with me? And just make this declaration, God, I'm ready to rejoice at what's coming. The lost will be found. The dead will come back to life. And God, you are going to bring them home. And it was meet that we should be merry and be glad. Because you're doing something supernatural. And we are ready to rejoice. Thank you for being at New Life today. In Jesus' name, you are dismissed. Keep praying if you would like. Let's rejoice at what God is doing. We'll see you Wednesday night for midweek.